Welcome to the Good Fight Tattoo Podcast. Here's your opportunity to eavesdrop on the conversations and stories that are told in our tattoo studio in London. There will be adult themes and strong language, so listener discretion is advised. With that out of the way, we hope you enjoy the podcast. This one's going to be an extra long episode. I talk to my customer about drug addiction, mental health problems, and all of the lovely stuff that surrounds that. Strap yourself in and enjoy. What would you say? What is the best thing to say in that situation? Um, yeah, that's not very sort of cuddly and nice, is it? <laughs> is there a cuddly nice term for a drug addict? No, nah, it's not really a cuddly nice sort of thing, is it? Don't know. Don't have any experience um, of it. I don't know. Most people with me would just didn't bring it up, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, this is, yeah, so we were talking earlier about you having drug issues. Problems, yeah. Um, Was it something that anyone brought up? Anyone that talked to you about it or? No, um, I was the only one that sort of got myself out of it, to be honest. Like, no one's going to help you. Was it um, something that anyone knew, anyone could see or? It became really obvious towards the end. Like, so I had problems for a long time. I was medicated when I was a kid um, with like a bunch of different types of things that um, when you say medicating, what do you mean by that? Do you mean like you had like stuff that was going on in your own head? Your yeah, own yeah, I had like psychotic issues or whatever, and like manic depression and these sort of anxiety things, um, which stemmed from just who I was as a person. Like it was something that was just part of me for a long time, um, and then got triggered by something as well. Um, it, yeah, it got it, like when I was sort of about eleven or something. I just, watch this bloke jump off a parking garage and then since then I just sort of it's, it's what in real life you yeah 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 what, so someone commits suicide yeah I just watched him jump off and splat and like since I was like yeah since then it had always been a part of my life to think about it I guess like it's something I can't ever forget yeah um obviously um and I saw and some counselling for that Sorry, yeah I was, I was 11 11 and yeah. you saw someone do that fucking hell man yeah and then I, I went to like counselling at school because my mum was obviously like this is probably a bit not alright after that um, and right. they told me to sort of take all those emotions and feelings and put it in an imaginary box put that box up on a shelf in, in, my, in my mind try and forget about it that doesn't sound like good counselling <laughs> it's, it's not like it's not a healthy thing to tell a kid yeah I don't that's well yeah that doesn't sound like from my experience of having counselling, because I've had counselling, mm. my experience of it isn't about that's the best way to do things. If anything, my experience that's of counselling says that's the worst thing to do is to yeah. Oh, since I've spoken to people, you know, later on in life, yeah, of course. But like that, you know, allowed things to get wrapped up in my head quite a lot. That was like, my first way of dealing with things, like outsourced, given to me by someone else, and it was terrible. It was terrible advice. Um, I ended up just bottling things up for years and years and years. Got a bit older. I got to like 14. Started smoking like weed and drinking or whatever. Do you um, think this is all sort of self-medicating from yeah, the stuff that stems yeah, from massively. what you'd seen when you were 11? Yeah, because I started with that, and then like a year later, I was on like 400 milligrams of sertraline and trazodone just to sleep. What are those? I don't um, know what they so are. So sertraline's like a, an antidepressant. Right. But um, usually they start kids about 50 milligrams. Um, and I was just a bit of a rare case. Like my uh, psychiatrist at the time, she just just prescribed me 
adult strength medication to someone who's just really still developing. Yeah. Um, and it, it, you know, it turned me into almost a bit of a drone. Like, uh, I didn't really think or feel for myself for a couple of years. So I think with my personal experience of like, uh, and people and people who I know who are friends of having counselling and having depression and anxiety issues and things like that is that medicating for it in, you know, with traditional just drugs doesn't seem to really do anything. Because mm. like with other health problems, like you would go to the doctor and you'd like expect to be fixed, you know, you expect yeah. them to like sort it out straight away. It's a perfect example, yeah, yeah, perfect way of looking at it because I think, for, for example, like if you've got a bad knee, you don't expect to go to the doctors and have them just say, right, we'll just take this drug to make sure that your knee doesn't hurt for the rest of the time. And that's fine. That's yeah, okay. exactly. And you expect them to be able to give you a solution. Whereas with uh, that sort of illness, it's it's not necessarily one solution that can fix it. I mean, they can alter the chemicals in your brain to stop you from processing in a certain way, but that doesn't deal with any of the the, the actual issues. No, um, it's and masking the issues, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and that's how easily sort of I slipped into the other side of things and started self-medicating when I got off that. So you got off the uh, prescription medication. Yeah. Did you I get off still, yourself? Yeah, yeah. What was it that made you want to get off? Um, I felt horrible. You just felt like uh, you, you, uh, you were a bit of a drone. You didn't... So yeah. Was it one of those things, like, common thing that I've... Because I never... When I had issues with things like that, I never got uh, medicated. I, I just went straight to... Because I'm glad that at the time I was straight edge. Mm. So I was just like... When no they way. said the, their initial thing is they went, right, we can prescribe you drugs. And I went, no way, fuck no. Not a chance. Yeah. What else you got? No, I wish I was in that boat because, yeah, at, at quite a young, impressionable age, I was willing to do anything to stop thinking in this way. So what um, it seems is like, from most people who I know who've taken it, and if this is your experience, uh, you know, say, because it seems like most people, what it does is it masks all stuff. So you don't feel high, you don't feel low, you just feel at this constant equal, plateau. Yeah, no, that's exactly how you feel. That's a great way of describing it. Um, and yeah, as soon as those were gone... I was just drinking and smoking that was left and I I just yeah, carried on self medicating with harder shit until, you know, eventually I just Was there a point in time when you stopped on the prescription medication that you didn't do any self medicating at all and the stuff from before came back? And is that why you started self medicating? Or was yeah, it just straight it away you just substituted one for the other? It never really sort of left, you know. Um I had sort of terrible issues with coping on my own with just everything. Um, or just anything even yeah. and uh, yeah as soon as that had, that had sort of left my system I was then incredibly anxious all the time um, you know which I hadn't I hadn't hadn't been anxious before right since like before taking that I, I wasn't like an anxious person or anything like I probably just had a very overactive imagination when I was a kid you know yeah. um, and obviously you're told your brain works a certain way and so you start believing in it. And if people tell you you look upset all the time, you're going to start listening to them, you know. Right, um, yeah. And that was another thing that I was sort of going through. Um, and it is really just dependent on your, your sort of... It is a lot that is dependent on your sort of so, so social situation at the time. Um, because these things isolate yourself, like, within your mind. Um, you may be there physically, but, you know, you're not there... Uh, in in a group of people, like actually interacting with them, you know, you're, yeah. you're completely elsewhere. Um, so it, it, yeah, it stems out of that detachment, I guess. Um, when, I, when I had like mental health issues, uh, like I had uh, depression and anxiety issues, all wrapped up to do with other stuff. 
But when I had those, I've, I completely recognised what you're saying. Where you're there, I would be with people all the time, but I didn't feel like I was part of anything. I felt like Honestly. I was completely separate and alien from everyone else. Yeah, and yeah. that's like, and like uh, when I when I hear people giving addicts more medication or like giving uh, anxious or uh, people with social problems medication, I I just think that's making the problem worse you know it's really counteractive to what these people need and for me personally I knew that I needed a, a mental change I knew that I couldn't affect um, certain aspects of my personality that would just come out of control uh, I can't I can't stop myself from uh, from being um, triggered by certain things but I can affect how my brain works in the present like right. so, your your sort of conscious mind can start to affect the unconscious mind when when you can deal with things um, better on on like a daily basis, and that's literally just stemmed from me waking up one day and being like, I'm not gonna treat myself like this anymore. Yeah, you know, and like yeah, you knew me a couple of years ago. I was a bigger guy. Um, you were a lot bigger guy. Yeah, let's yeah, be was, let's be fair to it. Yeah, not that yeah. there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, but I was, you I was were a big guy, <laughs> <laughs> and I've yeah, I've lost like a lot of weight. In terms um, of weight, how much do you reckon you've lost? Oh, I must have been. I'm about like 75 kilograms now. I must have been way way over 100 before. Yeah, I reckon you probably were because I, I would have even been way over 100 at that time yeah, as well because I was bigger then than I am now. I think I'm now 95 kg, yeah. something like that. And it's something like people don't recognize me anymore. People that knew me when I was a kid, I like, assume I'm my brother and stuff. Like It's really <laughs> weird. Like even my friends are like, Rick, your face has changed like, a lot. You <laughs> so, know? so going back into what you were saying, so you, you say you got to about 14, 15 and you started self-medicating. Yeah. Um, so if you don't mind me asking, what did you start medicating with? <laughs> See, this is my problem. I was in an area that had a lot of acid and methadone around. Like meow meow. Oh god. Um, yeah. So that was <laughs> such a weird, fashionable thing. From it's a, such like a strange combination of drugs, man. Like... Because like, acid wasn't that fashionable. Um, it still isn't. Like It's something that's coming back a bit now, psychedelics. Fuck that, but, like, I did acid once. Worst thing I've ever done. <laughs> but worst like, worst thing. Like, meow meow, I don't understand. Like, why was that ever... Like, it made you smell like cat piss. <laughs> it, like, it felt like a horrible version of... Man, like, cheap Mandy. Like, why wouldn't you just, just get some Mandy? But... Because you know, it was, was cheap. Yeah, it was accessible. And it was I think cheap. what it was was I remember when it first came out, it was completely legal as well. Mm. It was one of those ones where you could just you could get it on the internet and you couldn't be. Yeah, like, it was like Spice was a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah, you couldn't you couldn't be prosecuted for having it. it yeah, was, it was completely legal. So it was like a big, loads and loads of people were just doing it because they were like, "Fuck yeah, that's legal." In it, and it gets you proper like, rowdy. I guess I never did it. I'd, I'd stopped doing drugs by that point. I stopped in my sort of mid to early twenties. Um, I went straight edge and never really touched drugs again. Um, but yeah, man, like that whole thing was, I remember it happening. I remember thinking that, fuck, that's mental. Isn't it? There's got to be a point where you just, you've got to realize like, yeah. And it, it just, yeah, it, it started with there and then I moved to Cornwall for a year. So you started on like the, uh, what was it, what was it referred to as? I can remember, everyone sort calls it. Methadrone was yeah, it? but it's it meow meow. Yeah. everyone calls it. That's like MCAT the street name for it. MCAT PF, meth, plant meth, food. Yeah. yeah, I always remember it as methadrone. Yeah, so you started on that. Yeah, started with that and acid. You like used to bang acid. Used to balance it with methadrone and weed. <laughs> right. Um, I was still drinking loads and eating a lot. So this is where the, all the weight comes from. Is so just drinking and eating really. How regular are we talking that you'd be doing methadrone and, and acid and, and things um, like that? Are we talking I would, like I would be like weekday acid, weekend methadrone. 
Right, okay, so you, most of the week then? Yeah, that was high most of the week. But I used to microdose the acid. I used to like cut up the um, cut up the tabs into four and then just do like a quarter per sort of quarter of the day, Yeah, basically. Um, which for me, it actually really helped my focus. Like a little bit of psychedelics, like mushrooms as well, um, really can channel in certain amounts of focus yep. to a point, you know. And the minute you overdo it, and I think it depends on the person as well. So for some people, cause mm. the, I mean, I've done hallucinogenics, and they fucked me up. Yeah. Um, I did it, and I didn't want to. I got spiked. I did it. I think then. I remember us having this conversation a while ago, actually. Yeah. And it fucked me up. Um, yeah. Yeah, because you didn't. Your mate just put it in your drink, didn't they? Yeah. That's horrible. Um, yeah. So one of those things. Um, mm. Yeah, because there was a big difference. I had always made the conscious decision. Like, I know these things seemed really scary before you did them, but I was at a point where I just didn't care enough to worry about that, you know. Right. Um, and so that a conscious decision to look after my health wasn't the major factor in me choosing to do it, you know. So was there something self-destructive in this? Oh, in, massively. In you wanting to do oh, it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because, I, you know, I've been trying to sort of end it all for a while by then. Right. Um, so, so this, you know, still all stems from that that experience when you were eleven. Yeah, and, and yeah. That made you sort of because you thought about it so much and you spent so much time. Yeah, it's with just that been in your part head. of my life. You know, it's it just then got to a point where you were thinking of doing that yourself. Yeah, yeah, massively. Um, which was, you know, it was strange for someone like I didn't have an amazing childhood, but it was perfectly comfortable. Like it was fine. Like yeah. it wasn't like abnormal. Um, and I felt this sort of giant conflict in myself that I shouldn't be feeling like I don't deserve to feel like this right. as well. There's um, no reason to. I've yeah. been, do you know what? One of the things that actually sort of hits me again, like I had, like when I had problems with, it's a different thing, but when I had problems with like depression and anxiety and things like that, one of the things that was the worst for me was the fact that I constantly felt guilty about it. Because oh, my, my, my upbringing, my parents, brilliant. My family, amazing. Yeah. I've got nothing. Like, how are you supposed to break it to your like your, your bloody parents? Like, in my mind, I was just like, I've got n literally no reason I should be feeling well, like this right. at all. Yeah. In my mind. I mean, yeah. that's not true. That's not the truth of the matter. Everyone does, and there's different reasons why. And I think over time, I realized it was a lot to do with other stuff mm. in my situation at the time. Yeah. Um, and I worked through it, and, it, and it's cool. I'm good. I'm I'm glad I did work through it and I'm glad I, I did get counselling yeah because a lot of the triggers the are external aren't they yeah. like there's something but something's twigged it what you say about like it, it sort of the, the guilt of it of why you're, you're you know feeling guilty for feeling like that is so true man I had it's, that it's common I reckon like yeah it's um, but yeah you didn't want to feel like that but you're feeling like it feeling like it anyway and you couldn't even see the reason why you yeah know? And so, yeah, that's where the sort of effort of self-destruction comes from. Because, uh, yeah, I wasn't managing to be successful. So I just found other routes, you know, channeled it into other things. Yep. Um, and, yeah, and unfortunately, the most accessible were drugs. Yeah. Um, and that is a common thing. Mine was more drink than drugs. Mm. I was getting myself ill through drinking. I was on self-destruct through boozing. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you saw the size of me, man. I used to drink loads. <laughs> yeah. My, my dad's a big drinker, but he's never been like into drugs or anything like that. Neither is my mum. Or my brother. My brother doesn't drink much either. Like, I am the one person in the family 
who uh, I thought absolutely fucked it. <laughs> I thought that I was um, such a disappointment for so many years because of it, like, that I couldn't even bring myself. That's why I had to tell him recently because, like, I'm an adult. Like, I'm not going to be embarrassed about the actions I made when I was younger. Like, I, it's, it's just part of what's made me who I am, you know? Do you, how do you feel now that you've done that? How do you I feel a lot better. explain that to Yeah, you? I feel a lot better. Um, because they needed to know. They were a big part of it as well. Like, they did, you know, cause certain behavioural issues um, and attitudes to life that just weren't healthy. Right. Um, and me being separate from that now, I felt almost obliged to tell him, you know. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah, they needed to know. They needed to understand what they'd actually done. Um, so to rewind back again, go back to the story, um, you were sort of about 14, 15 and you were doing a lot of uh, uh, acid, uh, methadrone and yeah. Um, and yeah, on sertraline, uh, this oh, antidepressant. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, you moved to Cornwall? Yeah, I moved to Cornwall to oh. do an art foundation. What happened then? Um, and drugs are really bloody cheap in Cornwall, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's what right. happened. Um, yeah, I was studying art. I was only there for a year. It was like a stepping stone. It didn't really matter that much, um, as long as I passed the course. Which like, I've always been good at passing exams. I never had to work too hard to get good marks. Right. Um, and so, if I can see an end where I'm gonna find the path of least resistance, I'll immediately find that path. You know. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, I went down to Cornwall. There's a bunch of smuggling and people coming in and off of boats um, and yeah I was still partying loads just got out of school so I was like gonna absolutely kill it that year you know uh, started drinking all the time got really into coke because it was cheap you know gram for 40 quid that's ridiculous cheap in this country not in other countries yeah yeah um, and so yeah I ended up just doing loads and loads of cocaine that year I didn't really do too much acid it wasn't a big thing down there maybe like once that year yeah um and so yeah, would you say cocaine ended up being your drug of choice? Yeah, for about a year, cocaine and smoking loads of weed, drinking all the time, bit of Xanax here and there, just anything that's about really. You know, when you're yeah. in that mindset, anything that's put in front of you, you probably do it. Like I tried Ket for the first time in that year. I tried this thing called Trippy Ket, which is Ket and PCP spliced together. It's horrible grey powder. Fucking hell, man! Like, um, yeah, that was really gnarly. You literally stuff. didn't give a fuck, did you? You were doing no. whatever. Like I, I, because that's uh, pretty like, hard. Yeah, like that's I tried, I tried cat for the first time because my friend was like doing it every single day, yeah. and he racked up like almost a gram in a line, and I didn't know anything about it at the time, and I was like, mate, you can't have that. That's way too much. And so I was like, split it in half, and I'll do the other half. You know. And, and that's I, where that's how you end up trying cat. That's how I ended up trying cat. Um, Yuck. Ketamine's one of those things. Proper did like, me in that day. I remember, like, it's, it was man, really strong. In the time that I I did any drugs, when people did ketamine, that was the one that I was always just like, yuck, no fucking way. Grim. Like, um, but then it's like, it ends up being the one that you can do all the time. Because like, when I was doing this, like, coke or whatever, like, Mandy was a big thing where I was from, like, where I grew up. Um, like, so Mandy's like MDMA, in my, right? In my like teenage years, yeah. Mandy's just a standard pie drug. I'm pretty sure everyone I know does Mandy. You know what I mean? Like, um, and yeah, I guess I got to the point with that where I'd take a pinger, like I take a pill, yeah. um, and basically be on like get knocked unconscious by it because I ended up doing so much. Like I was doing sort of 
few grams a night, a couple like maybe up to five at the worst peak of it. Um, and so eventually you take it and it, it's too strong for you. It's, uh, it just starts fucking with your body's chemicals or whatever. Um, I'd take a pill and be unconscious for like half an hour. Really? <laughs> like so that's interesting. So I had a friend who used to like take pills and then go to sleep. Yeah. Like he would just like have to go to a bed and go to sleep and I was always like, why are you bothering then? Yeah, you know I'd I mean? take it, yeah. Um, so that, yeah. that comes from doing it too much? I guess so, yeah. Because like, that's where I was at with it. Like I was, uh, this drug is, is killing me. Like you, like you feel it not do good things. Like, after that half an hour, once you've got over the bump of it being too strong, then it's like, oh, it's just a normal Mandy high. But, you know, for that initial initial bit, it's just ridiculous, man. Like, um, yeah, been like really close to ODing on that stuff. Uh, yeah, and then when I moved to London, Coke was too expensive. We couldn't do Mandy anymore, but all my friends were going out every weekend on like like powders or shit, anything. So I got into Ket because Ket was 20 quid a gram. So do you think this is somewhat, to sort of sidetrack a little bit, do you think this is somewhat a generational societal thing? Because what I see nowadays with a lot of younger generations, because, you know, to to be totally honest about it, you're quite a lot younger than me, right? Yeah, yeah. So how old are you? 21. 21, right. So it seems that there's a real thing with a younger generation now, especially with the music that people listen to and, and the way everything's talked about. It seems to be a lot of talk about depression mm. and a lot of talk about doing drugs. Yeah. Um, um, I do think, you think it's there's a real sign of the time, man, yeah. Do you, think, do, you think it's, do you think it's art imitating life or life imitating art? Well, that's a good question. Um, it's probably a bit of both because I, I, I see this sort of current trend of mental health as something that's been really brought around by the constant comparison of yourself to others through the internet. From social media? Yeah, of course. Yep. Like, where, where else would it have been? Like, you know, I remember my dad always saying, like, yeah, I'm sure loads of people in my generation had depression. But they just had a stiff up a little. They wouldn't talk about it, you know? Um, whereas everything is out in the open now. You can't, like, let these things go unnoticed, almost. Yep. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of uh, me too's, which is a bit kind of gnarly because I would give anything to not have these problems. Like I would, oh man, if, if I could live a sort of nice peaceful life without it, that would be beautiful. Like that would be really great. And so it's something that still you struggle with? Yeah, it's no. a daily, like it's yeah, every single day. Because you're clean now, right? Yeah, well, I only smoke weed really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was, you know, that's probably six, almost seven years of my sort of teenage adult life was high every day. Yeah. Um, See, this I is the thing. Smoke weed every day, but like, so one of the things that I do wonder about is like how much things like music and the sort of those sorts of music, you know, you know the sort of thing I'm talking like about, trap like and trap and yeah, soundcloud yeah. rapping and things like that. Those sorts of things. A lot of talk about depression and medicating with Xanax and things like that. And oh man, self-medicating. And there's a lot of there's something that I see that I don't know if I think is fair, but personally, I think there's a little bit of deliberately wanting to be glamorising. I don't yeah. think it's necessarily that they're glamorising it, but I do see that people almost want to. People people do have mental health issues. And I've had them in a, from a completely different generation to yours, yeah. and it, it was dealt with in a completely different way. Like, so when I had issues with anxiety and depression, it was 
I wasn't told I had anxiety because right. anxiety is normal. Yeah. Everyone gets anxious. Exactly. It's normal yeah. to get anxious. But it's, I had an it? anxiety disorder. Right. So the way they dealt with it when I had that was they were like, this is a, an abnormal amount of anxiety. This is a disorder. We need to get it to a point where you it's can deal terrible. with life and you can have a normal level of anxiety. Mm. But now I think there's some people out there who have fairly, probably higher ends of normal levels of anxiety. But a self-diagnosing. But a self-diagnosing yeah. and also using it as a badge of just going... I can't do this I deserve to be treated because I have anxiety. It, here's yeah. my here's my bag full of anxiety. Yeah. You and that's something that it. never existed before. You know? No. When I, when it happened with me, I had a lot of friends who were going through similar sorts of things and it was more a thing that you didn't talk about and then it was a weird thing where we all talked about it and we were like, oh fuck, loads of people go through this. Yeah. But it wasn't ever seen as like a badge. No one, no one would outwardly make it a thing where they would go right I can't do this because of my anxiety mm. I can't like and just sort of almost use it as a shield yeah or an excuse an excuse yeah, yeah. and yeah that is you know we talk about interpe- like we've talked about the internet we talk about and when you talk about that you can't not bring up cognitive dissonance and interpassivity um, and so s- some people won't necessarily understand what cognitive dissonance is yeah no so I'll, I'll, uh, I'll have a little explana- explanation um, so it's it's basically the acceptance of like awareness of your like surroundings or reality, but um, uh, it, there's there's a sort of a mediated separation between that through um, you know online factors through like social media and stuff like that. Um, that is, uh, it nurtures this behavioural uh, output, this cognitive dissonance, and what what that actually is is uh, you're, you're receiving information that you may that may affect you as an individual um, that you may even be able to do something about but you know you're not uh, it's not um, regular enough or it's not impotent enough to actually uh, be sort of acted upon these, these so what ideas. sort of examples would you say is like um, things that you're receiving um, yeah well I mean we were talking earlier about what was a great example of uh, is, is is waste, um, right. because we all know that waste is an issue. Like, recycling is no new issue. We've been talking like it's, it's been something that's depends educated in schools. Depends if you believe in uh, what Donald Trump says or not. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking idiot. What was his quote on recycling? I can't remember the exact quote on it, but basically, like his whole pr- thing is is about like climate change isn't real. Mm. We haven't actually got these problems that are fucking obvious. We have, mm. and there's tons and tons of evidence to prove that we have. But he's just denying all of it and just going, "No, it's not real." It's probably it's more about hatred for Al Gore. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, but anyway, so cognitive dissonance. Yeah, cognitive dissonance is an interesting one because it definitely relates to the state of mental health. Uh, in in a, in a younger generation, in a generation that's grown up around uh, social media and things online, um, this uh, yeah. So what this yeah what this means is that we become reliant on problems being solved for us and less willing to go out and solve our own issues. Right. Um, and so why I say yeah, people using mental health like an excuse, whereas it never was before, because it used to be seen as a disadvantage. Whereas now almost the perception of it has changed a little bit, and it's 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 yeah it's been accepted, it's been normalised, but yeah it's also slightly been fetishised, and it's been now seen as a tool for which you can now get what you want. You know? Yeah, I think there's somewhat that I don't think is entirely that. I think there are some people that behave like that, and there are still some people that 
genuinely struggle with these things and mm. don't necessarily use it as a tool. You know, the trouble is, is it's like a figuring out who's doing what and why. Yeah, and, well, exactly, because everyone's going to have different motivations with it. You can't say any broad sweeping statements about it because it's all so individual, you know? Yeah, and, and B, the problem is trying to understand understand how much because how much of it is legitimate how much of it isn't um you know some people would argue that anyone who says that they feel like that is legitimate but mm. i don't necessarily agree with that because i think there are some people out there and i've i've you know i know examples of people who are like this mm. it's like you could give a first-hand example i'm sure who are, who are attention seekers yeah. who just want to use it as a tool to go uh, to to be different and to be like oh well i've got this problem with me and it's like mm. Well, the thing I think is a telling thing is how much someone's willing to try and do something about it. Isn't it? That, to me, is sort of telling as to how much it's really... Really affecting someone. Really affecting someone, or if they really just want to use it as a, as a, as a mechanism to get something else. Mm. You know? And but it's, it's disheartening for someone like me who's tried to sort of seek help from it um, yeah. through, you know, through different types of counselling, through types of medication, through doctors, GPs even, um, and have had just crap treatment. Well, this is the thing. I always come back to, like... You know, it's, it's disheartening. It's like, a, it's you a keep weird trying, thing. But like, the, the trouble with it is, 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 like, I know some people have had counselling before and they've had bad counselling, and then they go to a situation then later in life and go, no way am I doing counselling again because it's shit and it doesn't mm. work for me. But the reality is, is that anyone who's going through mental health issues, I would encourage to continue to try counselling mm. until you find someone that it you works just with. Just got to keep going until you meet someone at work. It's just yeah. like tattooists. There's good tattooists and there's bad tattooists. And if you have a bad experience with a tattooist, that shouldn't mean that you then forever just assume every tattooist is bad. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's that's not the case. Yeah. See, it's I know. I know it's the wrong assumption to be sort of. I don't know. To, I guess, a bit angry at the way I was treated. But yeah. um, in a lot of ways, it's allowed me to try and deal with it for myself, which has also been which really is, which important. is good if you do um, that. But a lot of people is, don't. Yeah, and that's that's my experience of this. I think there's fucking loads of people out there that are experiencing lots of different issues with mental health um, who aren't dealing with it mm. at all. No, just letting it sit. And it's affecting their life. It's affecting their relationships. It's affecting everything that uh, surrounds them. Mm. And don't know how to do anything. Don't want to do anything. And I know a lot. I know some people have had stuff where they've tried to get counselling before, and it's not worked. They've had a terrible time, and then just write it off forever. Yeah. And you're like, fucking no. Because yeah, you start spiraling. You know, you can you get so like you get find someone that is good at it. Find someone that it does work for you. Like, just don't assume that every counsellor is going to be the same. Mm. You know, I was really fortunate that the the woman I got counselling with, brilliant. First person I had counselling with brilliant it took a long time to get me to a point where i could deal with life in a, in a normal way because i couldn't deal with life in a normal way mm. but um, what is like normal do you not like do you not, uh, that's a really good it's that's how a really you can good deal point. with yourself i imagine more than anything like. it's a really good point but what i mean when i say like in a normal way is things that people would do day in day out without even thinking about like what well, i got to a point where I would fill my car up with petrol at two o'clock in the morning because mm. I knew that at There'd two o'clock no in the morning, around. it wasn't even that there was no one around. It was that I couldn't then go into the shop 
because I would have to pay through the kiosk part of it because they shut the they locked the doors at two in the morning. So right. I would go after two in the morning to fill my car up with petrol yeah. so that I didn't have to go in the shop. I couldn't go in supermarkets. These were two of the big ones. If I went into a supermarket, I'd get five or six steps into the door and run out because I couldn't handle it. Supermarkets have always been. I like, couldn't handle it. Honestly, man, I I, I understand what you mean because I get followed around in supermarkets. But it's not even about getting followed around. It's just about just I would feel so uncomfortable in myself, just being in a supermarket mm. would make me go, fuck, I can't do this, I've got to go, I've got to get out of here, because I'm going to I'm gonna freak out and I'm going to die. Yeah. It was just completely irrational. Yeah. But the counselling got me to a point where I could go in supermarkets, and it was about the type of counselling that I had more than anything else. It, the, the type of counselling I had wasn't sitting around trying to figure out what caused this and where it came from. Mm. I've got my own theories, yeah. but what happened in my life to to make this happen and why um, it's happening, it was, right, this is happening. We need to find ways to deal with it. Mm. How do we deal with it? How do we make it so that you can go about life in a way that everyone else goes about life? So that you can go into I, a I've supermarket got to agree with you there, man, and yeah. not freak out. How can we figure this out? How can we get... Yeah, that is I realistically, I think, the only thing that works. I think one of the um, problems that happens a lot with counselling is a lot of people have the experience of ended up having a different type of counselling where you just sit around and talk about all the things that have happened in your life since you were two years old until now and try and analyse what might be causing the problem. Yeah. And you might even get to it. You might even hit on it. But that hasn't done anything to actually fix the problem. It's like, you know, I know where things may have started, but yeah. like that is not the root of all problems. you know. No. And, and the only thing that ever really worked was like cognitive behavioral therapy. That's exactly the type um, of therapy that I had. Yeah, and that is absolutely brilliant um, because when I'm about to have a panic attack, I start trying to name objects in a room in my head. Right. Um, and so that's you've just got the like one coping mechanisms and yeah. things like that. Yeah, yeah um, so I've had to instill coping mechanisms back into the way I think, but um, which I know isn't something that everyone has to do in order to get through the day, but you know, not everyone's the same. Um, and yeah, it's that reassurance of the physical space, like this... Uh, that it's not gonna, I don't know. It's not. It's not gonna go. It's, you yeah. Know, yeah. You can think your way around. Yeah. Because um, what is what to me was happening was when I had those issues with anxiety and depression, was things would just spiral. It would start from yeah. something really simple, like oh, what if they've got none of this, and then uh, that would make me then feel uncomfortable. So then I would go oh, but then if that happens, then I might feel this way. It just changed. And there'd yeah. be weird things where I'd convince myself that I'd shit my pants. And I'd be like, what if I'm in the middle of the fucking supermarket and I shit in my pants? And then I'd freak out about the idea that that might happen. And before yeah. I've even got like 10 steps into the supermarket, I'm like, I can't do this. I've got to go. Yeah. But the thing is, is that it's all about, if you want to get, I it seems to me now that there's a more of a culture of not wanting to get past things like that, wanting to just use that as an excuse for not doing things. Yeah. It's, it seems like the idea behind it is cha like the, yeah, the, the, it's a, uh, it is definitely a generational thing. It like, you know, we've been brought up in a world where everything's provided. You know, we're talking you know, talk about Western culture here. We can't, I can't give you an ac accurate opinion on things I don't know. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we were brought up in a world that, um, you know, most things are provided. And if, 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 if they're not, then that's the irregular that you know that yeah. is, is weird if you can't that's find something. That's the abnormality. Yeah it's, yeah, it's abnormal to not be able to get something. Um, and then, yeah, it just, it, 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 it feels like, um, you know, the way people think about these issues has changed, you know, um, it's, it's, yeah, especially as, 
as you were saying, like anyone who's like drastically affected by issues like this will want it gone. Yeah, you know, we'll want it to change, um, and we'll try anything and everything to change it. You know, exactly. uh, and it might be counselling, it might be fucking drug, it might be either of those two things. Yeah. You know, it's but doing something. But is the key. yeah, and doing something. There's tons of different ways yeah, you can deal with it. You know, it's quite sad actually, because yeah, I used to be quite overweight, and that is just an addiction you can see. Yeah, um, you know, and it's it's usually less about. Um, less about the problem but more about how you deal with it yeah um, I think the thing that happens a lot nowadays is I, I feel there's a lot of uh, um, people who are unscrupulous therapists and would rather spend more time drilling into every single thing that's possibly happened in your life to mm. get you to a point to where you 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 know, you analyse it all. But and then you know, do, this is do what they just it. want you to believe what they're saying? I don't think it's even that. I just think they want you to keep coming back and spending £50 pounds money, a session yeah, every yeah. single time. Yeah, and rather they're than linked with the pharma, like, pharmaceutical industry. Yeah. And well, the, the, the therapists that work like that, essentially you're not dealing with the problem. What you're doing is you're just going through until the person, you're prolonging it, yeah. yeah. There's no effort to fix... The Fix is kind of the wrong way of putting it. And I know mm. that's kind of almost like an, insen uh, an insensitive way of putting it. But there's no effort to do something it's to more just analytical to help, isn't it yeah. yeah to analyze it yeah it's a bit like to, for argument's sake if you look at it as if it was a, a problem that you've got on in a, in a car car yeah. engine it's the difference between someone sitting there with computers all day every day trying to figure out what the problem is and where the, the very root of the problem is mm. compared to if someone gets down in there and starts figuring it having out look, yeah. and having a look and trying and then going right well if we turn this thing and undo mm. that pull this bit out and then put a new one of them on and tying it up, is that going to fix it? Mm. So you can't necessarily blame the individual in this point because, you know, a lot of these behaviours have been nurtured through uh, society and our online culture and the way that it's being dealt with through, you know, people pro like prolonging issues to sustain their own business. Yeah. You know, it's absolutely ludicrous. So um, that's the thing. It's like, what do you do then to counteract that? I really, I really believe that it has to come from within. Um, yeah, in in most senses. You well, know. from in my situation, I was like, I wouldn't say I was suicidal, but I was borderline suicidal. Mm. Um, and it got to a point where I was like, I can't continue life like this. You I have to do something. Wake about up it. thinking that every and day. And I can't just, I can't just stay like this. I can't keep using it as an excuse for everything. I can't do mm. that. I have to get to a point where I deal with this. And I think. I don't know, that's one of the things that I think unscrupulous counsellors and therapists have caused a problem with, where, like, I think there's quite a lot of people that have issues in their life and they go, I can't fucking deal with this, I can't keep going on like this. That's but quite then, normal. That that's is quite a normal, normal response. But then a lot of people don't do the thing that they then need to do and go and seek help because they're like, nah, yeah, fuck that, we'll I've had counselling before it. and it was shit and they were assholes. Mm. It's like the blame shifted. It's, it's more of a, an expectation from this world to provide something for you instead of you putting back into it. Yeah. Yes. Um, that's why. That's how I see it. Is yeah. We've been we've been taught to yeah rely on things to be fixed. Um, yeah. And when something goes wrong and it's left to you to fix it, how are you supposed to cope? If you if everything that you've ever been told is to have something fixed by someone else, you know, how yeah. are you supposed to be the person that can go in and deal with that? Um, yeah. But that is the exact problem because you know that's what needs to be done. In a lot of cases, I think a lot of I think part of the problem is a lot of people aren't given the tools to deal with life anyway. Mm. 
you know and I think yeah. we're giving people less and less tools to deal with life and more and more excuses to not deal with life yeah and I mean, in a lot of ways I, I think I was quite lucky to be so fucked up when I was younger I do think there's a benefit that I've yeah, had from it honestly, as well honestly because now I know how to live as an adult you know um, yeah. I wasn't taught how to live very well but I pushed it to the point where I couldn't carry on like that um, it was physically killing me um, and then you've just got to realise well do you really want to die yeah. anymore you know I started it out of that sort of need to escape or need to punish myself or even just do something you know um, and eventually it gets to the point where yeah you've, you've got to prioritise a bit man so to rewind back through the story a little bit so we'd got to story wise talking about your the whole thing mm. uh, you, were, you were saying you were self medicating taking basically every single drug you could through your like anything teenage years, saw, yeah. literally anything what was the thing that came as a point to make you to break that cycle? Because a lot of people don't break that cycle. Yeah. Uh, and if they do, a lot of people then also go back into that cycle. So what was it that made you break that cycle? Um, well, it, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I was... I'd managed to start losing weight before I'd managed to quit drugs, like hard drugs. Um, and I know that I had a bit to play in it, you know. I wasn't eating because I was high all the time. Um... But, and then I did actually sort of change my diet and change what I was putting into my body as well because it made me think about that. I took a little bit off and then I thought oh, I could get more off, you know? Yeah. I could so keep you started getting some sort of pride in yourself. Yeah, you a bit of, like, yeah, a bit of self-pride. Um, I started eating better. Um, but I was still taking ketamine every single day. Um, One step at a time. Yeah, right. <laughs> and... Um, it got it got to the point. You so, know, sorry. So you were t you got to a point where you were taking it every day. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking yeah. hell, man. No, I was. Uh, I'm a <coughs> big morning drug kind of person. Uh, I like wake up and have to get on it. Uh, it's a, it's horrible. And you know, Kentman's a downer. You know, it's not an upper. It's uh, uh, it's it's there to relax. But I also used to take it when I was going out as well. As I was saying, like, all my friends were partying, taking their party drugs. Yeah. I was beyond that at that point. I'd already done that, and I'd done it to the point where I couldn't really do it anymore. Um, and well, because so, you'd done too much, and it didn't yeah. really have any sort of effect on you in that same way. Like it did, but you know, it would get to the point where like coat come downs, you'd be in tears because it was it would make you so depressed, and you'd be like I really shaky. Like I hate coke. Yeah. I fucking hate coke. Nice no, minging, isn't it? Like, it's just yeah, it's just it's disgust like, what, me. What is the actual point? Like I, I really. Like, I, I can understand taking a bump to then carry on drinking with your mates who are getting fucked up to then stay up with them. can understand it to a point, but, like, realistically, it's your health that's concerned here. Man, the thing that bothers me with Coke is, more than anything, it just turns people into fucking assholes. Yeah. I've never met anyone on Coke that I haven't thought, you're a fucking asshole. Yeah. Anyone who does Coke, I know I did Coke when I was younger... Any anyone, even my best friends when they're on coke, I'm just like, you're a fucking dick. Any sort of outward rationality goes, doesn't it? You yeah, know? and it just everything becomes pure narcissism. Mm. Yeah. But yeah. So you were saying you were taking it every day, and you were, but you were losing weight, and there was some sort of uh, you were feeling kind of good about that. So that was something. Yeah, that and started to honestly, spark change. like tattoos really like saved saved me a lot going through that because when I didn't have anything to like about myself I had those yeah you know and like I had nothing else at the time and so just to have something that I put on myself that I actually quite like was um, really what it took 
glad to have helped. Uh, yeah, <laughs> of course, man. But yeah, like it, it really does. It really does help. Stuff like that. Um, because, yeah. So you, you think the, the, the main thing that started your change was a difference in how you viewed yourself? Yeah. Like by things like losing weight and getting tattoos and how you perceive your own. Probably. Yeah. No, definitely. It definitely helps. Self-image um, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Yeah. That definitely. So then where did that, how did that lead to um, you completely stopping? Before, before you answer, um, what I'll do is I'll get you to move back a little bit so you can straighten your legs so I can just do this bit. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, if you come forwards a little. That's it, cool. So yeah, um, going back to that. So what is it that made you, where is it that that then changed into you just stopping completely? Isn't it? It seems a bit mad, doesn't it? Because <laughs> it's, it's almost like you've got this magic recipe that like loads of drug addicts can't figure out. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Loads of people um, who and it pr- get caught in that cycle. It really is. I've got amazing friends. Right. I've got really, really lovely friends um, now in London. Um, and... They wouldn't have lived with me like that. Like I, I, my parents, like they've they've moved abroad now, um, so I was sort of looking at being stuck in this city with no one, um, and like really quickly going to have to sort a lot of my sort of life out. And yeah. I knew that I couldn't be the person I was and inflict that on others. Yeah. Um, because it was too much, like I, you know. So it's it a self-realization of how you were affecting other people. Yeah, in a lot of ways, yeah, um, and also like that reintegration back into like into society, into a society of people that genuinely cared about me, like which was pretty uncommon. Like, it's something that I get more sort of, I like well up more when people are nice to me than if they're not. You know, it's it's really hard for me to deal with people actually being genuine, genuinely pleasant. Yeah. Um, because I struggle just, with that as well. Know, sometimes just, I'm just not used to it, man. Like it's just when it happens, it's like this is so weird. Um, and yeah, I I was doing that. Um, I I got to the point where it physically hurt me. Uh, so you were making yourself ill from doing cancer? I was incredibly ill. Because it can cause you really bad, like a liver, liver problems, kidney problems, yeah, and kidney like that, issues. And I, this is something that I didn't not like. I knew about this you were the right, whole you were time. Aware. You're the not. You're time. not stupid. Yeah, like, exactly. I've, like, I, I've told I, you enough to know you're not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not. Yeah, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have got into it unless I knew what it done, or knew what it does. Yeah. Um, but there were also studies coming out at the time that were saying that it was being used to treat depression. Microdose, though, not like... Yeah, I mean, you say that, but some of the, the, the dosages they're giving people are not small. Like, you only need a little bit of ketamine. Because the same thing with uh, MDMA as well. That's, that's been used for depression and post-traumatic, really? distress, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder as well. But yeah, it's microdose. There's loads of, loads of studies into that now as well. Mm. No, I see, I find that interesting, but like, yeah, to a lot, in a lot of ways, it did like give you that numbing sensation, but without, I don't know, I didn't feel like it switched my brain off as much as antidepressants did. You right. know, like, because once I had a tolerance to it, it was literally like smoking a, a joint, and like half an hour later, you're perfectly compassmentous. Like, so, does, so are you saying that there was sort of some element of the fact that it just wasn't doing what you wanted it to do anymore that made you go, well, what's the point of this? Yeah. Yeah, no, because past a certain point, it gets pretty horribly um, psychedelic. Like, once yeah. you've done enough of it, it doesn't feel, you know, like you were describing, it makes the floor feel 
like a like a balloon or something. It, the, it, the thing is, that's the thing, right? So anyone who hasn't done it, how would you describe it? Because I would always describe it as like uh, if you did you ever see that Mr. Soft advert? This is going. You might not have done. You might be too young to see this. But there was like a there was a there was a sweets advert where there was just a guy who looked like he was made of marshmallow, and he was just sort of lolling through the world and just looked really confused. And that to me, I, I, that to me, I've seen it since doing any sort of drugs. I'm like, that's like ketamine. That looks like bit. You're like you're this <laughs> weird marshmallowy thing wading through the world, not really fully understanding what's going on. Yeah, like Mr. Staper from Ghostbusters. Yeah, like just <laughs> yeah, softly yeah, it feels padding like through. Being on a, on a bouncy castle in a lot of ways. It's really weird. Yeah. Um, you know, proper wonky. Wonk is a great word for it. We used to call it the wonk. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're like, right, let's get wonky. <laughs> I never, I personally never understood anyone getting addicted to it myself because like any oh, experience I've had with me, it was, like, it was only small, only tiny amounts and it would just be like fucking so weird. Strong. Fucking weird. It just weirded me out. The yeah. whole thing just like, nothing makes sense. Nothing makes sense. If you did like a big old line of it and you sit in a chair, you'd feel like you're about to take off. Right. You know, you'd literally feel yourself ascending. So sort of that same sort of come up of like MDMA. Yeah, yeah. It's good if you take enough of it, I guess. Um, Did it it give you that same come up where you'd need a poo? Hey? Did it give you that same come up where you'd need a poo, like on MDMA? Nah, (laughs) no, no. It's not like coke poos either. (laughs) No, a cat just stops you eating. Right. Um... Yeah, I don't know. None of this shit feels that nice inside anyway, does it? So you were saying you were sort of getting ill from it as well, and it wasn't really having the effect that you wanted. Yeah, and then I started, like, seizuring a little bit and collapsing. And I was like, well, this is probably a good time to stop, you know. Right. (laughs) Some people don't even get that, that though, when some people start having seizures. There's a fucking dude who, like, used to come and get tattooed at a shop that I used to work at. And he was 22 years old and he'd had four heart attacks from having, like, doing cocaine so much. Bloody hell. And even that was like, we were like, so you stop now then? And he's like, nah, I fucking love it. And he's just like, some people are just fucking unbelievable with that. Yeah. Just, even that isn't enough to make someone go, no, I'm not going to do that. That's, if you've had that's four heart attacks when you're in your early 20s from doing cocaine. Yeah, honestly, like, I wouldn't have been able to stop unless I chose to. It was a really conscious decision. Yeah. yeah. Um... It's weird, actually, in a, in a couple ways. Like, taking acid has allowed me to go so far in to myself in a, in a couple instances. This is more to do with eating. But yeah. when I was sort of overweight and I dropped acid one time, I just, I remember thinking, like, just really thinking about everything. Like, yeah, it just really sort of whirs you around in your own mind, like, yeah. mind quite a lot. Um, and, yeah, if you've got problems and you take something like that, those problems will be part of like the experience, especially um, with acid. Especially yeah, with big time with like acid. That. Yeah, um, I had yeah. a horrible time on acid. Oh, I've had such bad times with it as well. Like, it's not something I'd recommend people do because, yeah, it's uh, it's crazy, and it, it does send. Like, I thought the birds were talking to me. I thought <laughs> helicopters were following me, and people like, driving behind me and shape. Like, you know what? It's not. It's not a healthy outlook. You know, like to be nah. festering. But sometimes it allows you to escape your personal reality enough to be able to want to see change in it. Yep. You know, and it's that want to see change in yourself that like, is the only way around it.
We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. If you have, do all of the good things like like and comment and all of that sort of stuff. But most importantly, tell your friends. Don't just tell your friends. Force them to listen to it. Give them a link. Send them the link so that they can't not do it. Thank you very much and we'll see you next week.